Hi, my name is Bio, and Bread and Tea is the audio journaling of my Bible study. Bread, because the bread of life, and tea, because sometimes I shake tables and hot tea will pour on your lap. You can follow me on Twitter at Bio underscore OG, or read more about what I talk about here on my Medium blog titled Church Series. Alright, have fun. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Bread and Tea. Um, first of all, before I even go into today's topic, I feel like I owe everyone an apology um, because I went MIA for a period of time, as a matter of fact, for a very long period of time. And there's an explanation for that actually. So what happened is I went to NYSE camp for three weeks and so I wasn't able to... Um, study as I would normally and um, meaning I haven't been able to put out an episode because of that and um, ever since I came back from camp it has been the absolute ghetto I don't know it's like everything I was working on just entered the gutter but it's getting better so you can expect more episodes after this and um, also a disclaimer about um, this particular episode um, versus what I usually do where I um give an explanation based on a particular bible verse or bible chapter that i'm studying Um, this particular episode is an answer to a question i saw on twitter so um what prompted this episode is um, a conversation i i saw actually somebody sent me the conversation on whatsapp the conversation happened on twitter between two two men i don't know if to call them two young men or to just two men because I really don't know how old they are but basically it happened between two people two men I, I, I like I already mentioned and um, one person was asking a question and another person was responding to the question so I'm just going to read it out and for the sake of um, this um, particular episode let's just call them James and John let's say James was asking a question and let's say John was answering the question. So I'm going to read out James' question. And I'm also going to read out John's response to James' question. Okay, so James is asking, If sin is transmissible via biological ancestry, why isn't salvation? Since my dad and mom are believers and are now righteous by faith, Shouldn't I now be righteous too? That is John's question. And James responds. He says, ah, oosh, I already mixed them up. That is, you know, James and John. Okay, so that is James' question. So John responds and says, this bugged me when I was a Christian. Now, this part broke my heart because, um, what's it called? John is giving us insight that he used to be a Christian. And apparently, he's no longer a Christian. So he's saying, this bugged me when I was a Christian. God made Adam's sin automatically apply to every human being, but he didn't make Jesus' redemption automatically apply to everyone until you believed or repented. It is a very cruel system. Okay, so I, I saw these and honestly, for like the first 10 minutes, everything... <laughs> Everything I have built my faith on was shaking, especially um, from um, James's question, 
you know, James is asking if, if it is true that sin is transmissible via biological ancestry, which I would explain because it is biblical, it is true. How come salvation isn't transferable? I mean, if sin has been transferred from one man, that's since the time of Adam and Eve, to where we are in the world today, how come salvation isn't transferable in the same way? So when I saw that question, I was I was taken aback for a couple of minutes and it, it really had me thinking. And one, one thing I told one of my friends was, you know, when the Bible says we should study to show ourselves approved, it's, it, it has its reason for saying so. Because if you're not careful, some of these things would um, actually challenge everything you build your faith on. And the religion we practice, the God we believe in, everything he requires of us is in our minds. So once our ability to believe in God is compromised, the entire religion falls apart. All of the doctrine you have built, every other thing you have believed in, all the supernatural you have seen work, everything just starts to fall apart because everything, you know, the the Bible is clear. It says no one can please God without faith, right? So, and faith is basically believing that what God says he will do, that is what he will do. So the moment you are conflicted in your mind, everything becomes shaky. So when the Bible tells us to study to show ourselves approved, it has its reason for saying so. And this is one of the reasons, you know, I posed the question on my WhatsApp status and I saw very interesting answers. So shout out to all the believers on my WhatsApp status that answered. They contributed in no small way to answering this question. So the way I am going to answer this question is I am first going to address why sin is transmissible by biological birth. Because honestly, not everybody may know that sin is actually transmissible by biological birth. And next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to explain what exactly sin is. And then I'm going to explain why salvation cannot be transferred by biological birth. And I'm then going to explain how salvation can be transferred. So I am hoping that when I have explained, given answers to these four questions I just highlighted, I would have done justice to James' question. And then after that, I want to address John's response. Now, one thing we see with John is that John has a very analytical mind. or So I I just assume that he has an an analytical mind because of the way he responded to the question. It's also obvious that, you know, John has a background on Christianity, like he was taught. But what, 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 what becomes obvious again is, I think... There was probably a part where the education wasn't complete or something he didn't understand or somebody taught something out of context. And so is what is leading to um, all of these. And um, another thing I noticed is in I'm, I'm, I'm giving this background so that, you know, so it paints the picture of exactly what I'm going to be saying going forward. And um, also to give an admonition to believers that we should learn to accommodate these tough questions and we should learn to ask them. One of the major flaws of the generation before us was when you are told something about God, you are not expected to question it. God is good. Why is God good? Nobody wants to answer that question because nobody has taken time to study why God is actually good. So everybody just says, oh, why are you asking that kind of question? Are you not a Christian? No, 
we are expected to ask these questions and in situations where we cannot answer them immediately we are expected to go into the word of god to find answers to these questions it is in asking and answering these questions that we actually build ourselves up in proper doctrine we are expected to debate not debate these things for the sake of throwing points around but for the sake of resolving the bible says we are expected to have unity of faith but i have been taught that the unity there actually means unanimity not unity in the sense of you believe what you believe i believe what i believe therefore let everybody live in harmony no that's not unity the unity the bible is talking about is unanimity of faith and that can only be accomplished when we actively tackle wrong doctrine until we are led with the truth so we ought to debate these things we ought to talk about them we ought to ask these hard questions and um, we ought to find answers to them because the answers are in the bible so the next thing i'm going to do after addressing james um, questions i'm going to address john's response and i must state it um categorically that this is in no way dragging anybody i have already stated that i think um the person who answered the question, that is John, is very intelligent and he's speaking based on what he knows. So the way I'm going to answer um, his response is, I'm going to answer the question, did God make Adam's sin automatically apply to every human being? I'm going to answer that question. The next, the, um, That statement actually, the next statement I'm going to address is, did God make Jesus' redemption automatically apply to everyone? And then finally, I'm going to answer um, a statement. I just added this one on top. So I think it helps to solidify what I'm going to teach. And that is, did God owe humanity anything? All right. So um, I've tried, I'll try to keep this, I'll try to keep this as short as possible. Um, so, and because of that, I haven't listed too many Bible verses to walk you through today. But trust me, with the Bible verses we have here and with the explanation I'm going to give, I am sure... Um, it's going to be enough. So let's jump straight into answering James' question. So the first thing we see that James opens with is James is claiming that sin can be transferred by biological birth. And it is very correct. So let us check um, a biblical verse to prove that um, sin can be transferred biologically. That's in Genesis chapter 5 verse 2. Just give me a moment to open that. Um, I hope people actually open their Bibles along, but if you don't, I think it's fine. I just read it out. So, one major misconception that people have when they read the story of creation is that many people think that God named the first man Adam and he named the first woman Eve. Yeah, yes, he did name the first woman. I mean, Adam named her Eve. All right. And, um, but did God name the first man Adam? No, he didn't. When we study the bible and the way i study the bible and the way i would advise everybody to study the bible is when you study the bible you ought to go back to um greek root words to see what this word meant when the author wrote it down so adam in the creation story adam in the bible is not the name given to the first man that god created as a matter of fact nowhere in the bible does it state that god named this man adam Nowhere in the Bible are we told what God named this man, all right? We know that God called Adam, but that wasn't his name, and we would prove it. Genesis chapter 5, verse 2. But just to solidify everything, let's read from verse 1. 
it says from verse 1 it says this is the written account of adam's family line i'm reading the niv version it says when god created adam okay this is sorry hold on let me read from kjv and then we switch to niv just because i want this particular point to stick all right so kjv says this is the book of the generations of adam in the day that god created man in the likeness of god made he him verse 2 male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name adam in the day when they were created so the bible is telling us here that god created male and female and called them adam It doesn't say that God created the man and called him Adam. So the next question is, why is God calling male and female Adam? That is because Adam is the Hebrew word for mankind. And we don't even have to go back to the interlinear Bible to check if it is true or not. We can just check another Bible translation and that's NIV. That's the Bible verse I started with initially. Let's check out what the NIV version says. So we see the King James version calling um, Adam and calling male and female Adam, but the NIV version here is saying when God created mankind. If you go to the KJV version, it says when God created Adam. So this goes to tell us that Adam is representative of God's humanity. So when God created Adam, that is mankind, and when He named them mankind. The idea was the entirety of humanity, the entire human race is embedded in these people. They are God's covenant representative. If we go through the Bible, especially the Old Testament, we see many times when God created a covenant with a particular person and that particular person represented either an entire tribe or the rest of the world. And I'll give examples. We started with Adam, how Adam is mankind and represents the entire humanity. There was also, um, what's it called? The children of Israel. They were God's representatives to take his gospel to the ends of the earth. So it was God's plan to save humanity through the children of Israel. When we read through the Bible, people may think, oh, why did God choose Israel? Did it mean that God loved Israel more than every other tribe? No, it was part of his plan to use Israel as a representative to take his word to the end, to the, um, to the ends of the earth, basically. But Israel failed woefully. We'll get back to that um, later. We also see in the Bible where... Um, in one of Paul's teachings, I think it is in Romans chapter 10, where he talks about God sent another Adam. And that second Adam is Jesus Christ, the representative of the entire humanity. And the Bible is telling us in the book of Romans that if through one man, that is the first Adam, sin entered the entire, um, sin and death came upon the rest of humanity, also through one man, life entered you know the rest of humanity talking about the two different adams now so we see that one person in god's plan one person can represent an entire race one person can represent an entire generation in fact one person can represent the entire humanity and we see that in the story of adam and eve and we also see it in the story of jesus christ all right so through adam that is the first man that god created sin entered the world Also, through Jesus Christ, life entered the world. So the first thing that we see here is that God's salvation plan is balanced because it is fair that if sin entered the world through one man, it also makes sense that life is entering the world 
through one man also, and that is Jesus Christ. So one way I always explain sin is transmissible by biological birth to people is, um, especially to the children I teach. I, I teach some children. Um, I volunteer to teach some children. So what I tell them is, the same way a child can look like their parents physically is the same way a child can look like their parents spiritually, all right? Biology will teach you that a parent's DNA, the mother, I don't know, I'm not a biology student, I did it, I'm not a medical student, but I did it for a bit, how the father's DNA, mother's DNA, this chromosome, that chromosome is what forms together to make up the child. It is the same thing with your spiritual destiny, all right? It is the same thing with your spiritual makeup. The same way a child can look like their parents physically, it's the same way a child can also look like, would also look like their parents spiritually. So I hope this helps to answer the question why sin is transmissible biologically. Because the representative of mankind, like when God created Adam and Eve, he called them mankind. So whatever they did represented the entire mankind. The same way when God sent Jesus Christ to die for our sins, it is why his death represents the death of the entire mankind when they believe. So I hope this helps to explain why sin is transmissible biologically. Um, the next one we are going to be addressing is what is sin in the first place? Okay, so this particular part, you have to pay very close attention because there is a chance that people throw this um, explanation out of context. So I'm going to be explaining what sin is. Now, people usually mistake it's that sin is when you fornicate, when you steal, when you lie. Truthfully, this is sin. But if we hold on to that um, definition of sin, what it would mean is that, now pay very close attention, what it would mean is that it is when somebody steals that they become a sinner. It is when somebody fornicates that they become a sinner. It is when somebody kills another person that they become a sinner. But that's not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible says, if any man says he has no sin, then he is a liar. That's what the Bible says. Google it, check it up, it's there. It says, if any man says he has no sin, he is a liar. So, what if there is a person who has never broken any of the laws of God, which I think is impossible, but let's just take a hypothetical situation. There is somebody who is existing, who has never broken any of the laws of God. And the person stands up and declares, I have no sin. The Bible is saying that person is a liar. And the Bible makes it clear. It says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. How does this make sense? It goes back to what we explained in point one. How sin is transmissible by birth. It means from the moment a person was born of a man and a woman, the person was born into sin because they have taken on the sinful nature of their father, which is the first Adam, and they have been born with that sinful nature. So pay attention to this. We are not sinners because we sinned. We sin because we are sinners. So we look through the Bible and we see Paul saying things like, the things I want to do, I do not do them. But the things I do not want to do, that is sin now. I find myself doing them. This speaks to a nature such that I don't need to think about it. I don't need to work it out. 
it comes naturally to me. So the moment Adam and Eve disobeyed in the Garden of Eden, what happened is they put on a nature. It became inherent to them. It became natural to them to sin. So it is not until a man steals, it is not until a man kills that he becomes a sinner. By virtue of his birth, he is already a sinner. So we are not sinners because we sinned. Mm-mm. We sinned because we have a nature of sin. So we sinned because we are sinners. So now that that is explained, let me just give you a bonus point. It is because mankind is sinful from birth. That is why Jesus Christ was not born of the seed of a man. Because one of the requirements for the salvation plan to work was that whoever was going to die for the sins of man had to be a man, number one. And he had to be righteous, completely righteous without sin. So if Jesus Christ was born of the seed of a man, take for instance, um, Joseph impregnated Mary and Jesus Christ was born of that seed, salvation wouldn't have worked the way God designed it to work because the person had to be blameless, spotless and sinless. That is why Jesus Christ had to be born by the influence of the Holy Spirit. So by birth, Jesus Christ was holy. All right. So he was born of the seed of the Holy Spirit. All right. The Bible tells us um, um, when the angel delivered the message to Mary, he said the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you would conceive. So he was conceived by the influence of the Holy Spirit. So by birth, Jesus Christ was holy. All right. That's just a bonus point. It's not part of it's not part of the teaching on on on, um, on answering these questions. So. Again, let's just go back to what exactly sin is. So, sin is anything that contradicts the standards of God. I was very intentional to use standard and not law. Because when I use law, people may think, okay, the law of God says thou shalt not kill and therefore you kill. Mm -mm. I use standard because anything that contradicts the standard of God becomes sin. Now, what do I mean? When God created the world, he gave commandments to man. He gave instructions to man. He gave instructions to the things he created. For instance, he said this, this, um, the, greatest, the greater light which he created, that is the sun, will be for the day and the lesser night, that is the moon, will be for the night. All right? If these things decide to swap place, if the moon decides to be shining in the day and the sun is shining at night, that becomes sin. Because it has contradicted the standard that God has set for it. Now, let's, let's, let's take a step back. When God created everything he created, one thing, that was, one thing that stood out every time is that God said what he created was good. He said he created the light in the first day. He said it was good. He created the trees, the fishes in the sea. He said it was good. He said it was good every time he created something. So we see one thing for certain from the creation story, that the standards that God put in place, meaning that the sun should be there in the day, the moon at night, that the stars should be in a particular place, when he gathered the waters into a particular, um, when he gathered the waters above the firmament and below the firmament, when he gathered the earth and separated it from the waters, God said, all those things, those standards, the way I set them, they are good. So when somebody or something that God has created contradicts the standard that God has set for it, it becomes sin. Take for instance, the normal, um, the, no- the standard that God has set for goats now is to walk on land, 
the day the goat decides to start walking on the air, people would look and say, oh, something is wrong here. All right. The entire world will be thrown into chaos the day God's creation decides to contravene his standard. The creation stops becoming good the moment they fall short of that standard. And this will bust your head. Everything God created obeys the standard that God set for it, except man. But the problem is, when God created humanity, he gave them dominion of the earth. So the moment mankind sinned, that is the ruler of the earth now, the moment he sinned and put on a sinful nature, the way he rules the earth, he rules it in sin. So he rules the earth below standard. It's like everything rises and falls on leadership. So the leader of, it's just like, I mean, pardon me, but the leaders of Nigeria, are you, are you getting the picture now? So who holds the power to rule the earth is ruling the earth the wrong way. And that is why the earth is the way it is today. Again, this is another bonus point. It's not part of today's teaching. People say things like, oh, if there is a God, why are children dying? Why is there malaria? Why is there COVID? Mm-mm. The dominion of the earth was given to man. So if there is any evil in the world today, it is because of sin. Because the ruler of the earth, that is the person that has dominion of the earth, is ruling the earth in sin. And we know that God gave man dominion of the earth because he said, be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over the earth, over every crawling thing, over every creeping thing. You know, he gave us total dominion of the earth. So the way we rule the earth is the way the earth has become today but despite how we are ruling the earth in sin one thing is obvious is that all of creation obeys the standard that god sets for them except man so sin is not just when a person steals it is actually a contradiction to the standard that god has set for humanity now what exactly was the sin that mankind was guilty of in the garden of eden so To answer that question, we would go to Genesis chapter 3. People have said things like, oh, God has anger issues. How can he he decide to say, um, because mankind ate a fruit? I mean, it was just a flimsy fruit. Why would he blow things out of proportion? Why would he curse the woman with heavy, with painful childbirth? Why would he curse the man with heavy labor before he can get his daily bread and things like that? Why did he blow things out of proportion? Why did he send them out of the garden? Why did he put um, cherubims to guard the garden so that they can never go back inside? Do you know, why did he cut them off from his presence? Why all of these things? Why were all these things blown out of proportion? But the truth is, when we diligently study the word of God, we see that God did not blow things out of proportion. Instead, we were the ones who did not understand what happened. Now, to understand this thing, before we even go to Genesis chapter 3, let's go to Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13. Now, Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13 is talking about the story of Lucifer. All right, the entire Isaiah chapter 14 is talking about the story of Lucifer. But one thing we notice in the Bible is that the story of Lucifer is shrouded in mystery. Whenever, whenever the Bible talks about the story of Lucifer, it always talks about it in a way that makes you ask, was the Bible talking about Lucifer here or was it talking about another person? So I'm not going to go in depth into that explanation. I will just explain to you who Lucifer is, how he became the Satan and how the sin of mankind, you know, what exactly it meant beyond the eating of the fruit in the Garden of Eden. So Isaiah chapter 14 verse 13 said, this is talking about Lucifer now. He said, you said in your heart, 
I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. Now, a part of me wants to go in depth and explain to you how Lucifer was a covering angel, how he was a cherub, and how cherubims are the closest spiritual beings to the throne of God, and how Lucifer planned a rebellion against God's government in heaven, and how Lucifer deceived one third of God's angels in heaven, one third of the spiritual beings in heaven. But I'm not going to go into all of that explanation. But one thing we know for certain is the reason why Lucifer was cast out of heaven, the reason why Lucifer became the Satan was because he tried, like in today's terms, what Lucifer tried to do was a coup d'etat of God's system. He tried to bring God down from his throne and him would now sit on that throne. I don't know if that makes sense to you. So the scene of Lucifer was he literally i mean if he had if it was possible that a person or a spiritual being a cherubim could kill god that was lucifer's plan to kill god and take the throne like what we see in what we saw in nigeria's government in the past there is a particular military ruler on the in the seat of power and somebody comes and kills him and takes over that seat of authority so that is what lucifer wanted to do we know that from isaiah chapter 14 verse 13 he's saying i will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly i will raise my throne above the stars of god that's what he wanted to do but remember i mentioned that lucifer was able to deceive one third of god's angels now when we look at it i have read a lot of biblical scholars remember i'm trying to answer and um, james question so stay with me it's 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 looking like it's going to be a very long episode um but i'll try to summarize but one thing we see for certain in what lucifer was doing his ability to deceive i mean one third is not a small number guys one out of every three angel or spiritual being in heaven was deceived his ability to do that was because he was able to cast doubt on what god has said now pay very close attention to what i just said the reason why Lucifer could deceive one third of God's spiritual, you know, population in heaven was because he was able to cast doubts on God. He was able to tell them, you know what, this God's government is not fair and I'll prove it to you because it is the same strategy he used. So what those spiritual beings were really guilty of when they aligned themselves with Lucifer was the sin of unbelief. That's what they were guilty of. That somebody comes to you and says, these are the laws of God, but do you think these laws are fair? Now, note, we had already said um, earlier in the podcast that when God created everything, including, you know, the Bible says he created the heavens and the earth. So when God created the heaven, he said it was good. When he created the earth, he said it was good. Now, God is saying what I have created. My government is good. Lucifer is saying the government of God is not good. So everybody that aligns themselves to Lucifer automatically is guilty of the sin of unbelief, saying that I do not believe that what God has said is true. So what happened in the Garden of Eden? Let's go back to Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. So let's, let's, let's look at exactly what Lucifer did in Genesis chapter 3 verse 1, just the same way he deceived the host of, 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 of God's population, how he deceive them that you know god's law is not good align with me look at this is this is this is lucifer's entry line it says now the serpent the serpent here referring to lucifer i want to give you an explanation of how the serpent is lucifer but 
um, it will only make this podcast longer. Just take it. It is Lucifer. If I get enough um, requests to explain that, I will explain it in another episode. So it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, now pay attention. Look at what he said to her. Look at what he said to her. To show you that the strategy he uses all the time is to cast doubts on who God is, to cast doubt on the character of God. Now, recall we had said that what God created was good. That's what God said for himself. He said, did God really say? I mean, that opening argument is obvious you are trying to cast doubt. You know, he's trying to put your mind in a place of, uh, did God really say that? You know, if he had come and said, eat the fruits, you will not die. His response would have been, God said, I would die. Does it make sense? But his opening statement was, did God really say? Again, we see this in when, when Satan was tempting Jesus Christ in the wilderness. He said, if you are the son of God, he wants, look, I'm getting very, I'm getting very passionate about this part of the teaching that the entirety of humanity's sin can be summed up in unbelief. And I'm laying a lot of emphasis on this part because it is what will help me explain the next point. All right. So he opens the statement. He says, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So it is obvious what he was trying to do. He was trying to cast doubt on the character of God. So the moment Eve succumbed, the moment Adam succumbed, what they were doing indirectly was saying, I believe what Lucifer has said. Lucifer told them, if you eat, you will become like God. So it is now, it is now an issue of God said versus Lucifer said. So now mankind had aligned himself to the spiritual enemy of God, to the to the spiritual being who just tried to take God out of his throne. That was the sin we were guilty of, the sin of unbelief. We literally told God, God who says that he values his word more than his name. God who says everything I have said I would do, I would do. We have literally, what we did, what mankind did by eating that fruit that God said, do not eat or you will die, was literally telling God, I do not believe what you have said. Here is Satan telling me, if I eat, I will become like God. So I would rather align myself with Satan versus believe you. So the sin we were guilty of was the sin of unbelief. Everything humanity does that falls below the standard of God is the sin of unbelief. From stealing, when God gives us laws about not stealing, he's saying, do not steal because I know the consequences. But we are saying, you know what, I steal because it gives me wealth. So if I have wealth, that's definitely good. So I'm going to hold on to this belief, meaning what God is saying is a lie. Thou shalt not fornicate because X, Y, Z is the consequence. Oh no, but when I fornicate, I feel good. So I'm going to hold on to this belief, meaning what God is saying is a lie. But we forget that who can set the tone of what is right or wrong is the creator of of who created us. I don't know if that made sense. Who decides what is right or wrong is who created us. So when we sin what it means or when mankind aligned himself to lucifer's statement what it meant is that we were telling god that i believe satan i don't believe you when you start to look at it from that point of view you start to see how heavy 
the magnitude of the eating the fruit in the garden of eden was it wasn't about eating the fruit same way it is not i don't want to go into this part of the explanation because i'll just have to explain deeper it wasn't about eating the fruit it was about the significance of eating that fruit it meant i believe satan i don't believe you that is what eating that fruit meant and to further prove to you that mankind aligned himself to Satan. You know, one of the stories that confuses people a lot is the story of the Tower of Babel. People are like, why did God have to confuse their language? But pay attention to the language that was used, to the statements that were made in um, Genesis chapter 11 verse 4 when um, the children of the world were building the Tower of Babel. Again, there's more, com- um, there's more, uh, what's it called? What they call this thing again? There's more context to this about how um, the children of the world were um, had the spirit. Let's not go into that. So Genesis chapter 11, verse 4. Pay attention to the statement that was made. It's saying, Then they said, Listen, come, let us build a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens. Now, pause here. Are you seeing a similarity between this statement and the statement that Lucifer made in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13 that says, I will build my, I will make a name for myself and my throne will ascend the stars of God. So when people talk about the um, story of the Tower of Babel, they usually talk about it out of context, meaning they do not even understand what these children of the world were referring to by saying they will build a tower that reaches the heavens. They were attempting to do the same thing that Lucifer wanted to do. Because if it was about building a tall tower, why did God not confuse the language of the, of the Emirates when they were building the Burj Khalifa? I don't know if it's making sense. The significance of this story shows that mankind is aligned to the devil because he was doing the exact thing that Lucifer was cast out of heaven for. So it's not about building a tall tower. That was not the problem. We have really tall towers in the world today. Some of them you can't see the top when you're standing on the ground. It doesn't matter how far you bend your neck. But we never hear that God came down to confuse the language of the construction workers. So how come the Tower of Babel was significant? Why did God have to confuse their language? Because they were doing the same thing. He had to stop that project because they were doing the same thing. The Bible says here in this same Genesis chapter 11, it said, God saw and he said to himself, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. It means these people had decided to do this thing, they would have done it. They, would, they were attempting to do the same thing. If you look at the language used in Isaiah 14 verse 13 and Genesis chapter 11 verse 4, you see that it is the same statement that was made. Literally the same statement if you do a proper analysis. So what sin is can be summarized as unbelief. So the sin that mankind is guilty of is the sin of unbelief, meaning we aligned to Lucifer versus aligning to um, what God has said. So why, let's just jump straight into the next question. Why, um, why, why, how come salvation cannot be transferred biologically? But before we answer that, let us just quickly answer. Okay, yeah, let, let, let's answer why salvation cannot be transferred biologically. So, um, First, we look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. I'm just going to be rushing through now because I really don't want the podcast to be um, an hour long. And I've, I've just covered like half of what I want to teach. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, 
and this is not from yourselves it is the gift of god so what that means is by grace you are saved meaning by the kindness of god you are saved grace here meaning kindness if you go back to the greek word to the root word the great the grace here means kindness through faith faith here is referring to belief now why is it important that mankind believes in god to be saved it is because the sin you are guilty of is unbelief is it adding up so why can salvation not be transferred by birth because okay let's explain that one with the bible verse romans chapter 10 verse 17 romans chapter 10 verse 17 uh just give me a quick a hot minute to open that romans chapter 10 verse 17 how come salvation cannot be transferred by birth how come um my parents are sinful they give birth to me in sin how come when they receive the message of salvation they cannot transfer it to me when I'm giving birth to. So verse 17 says, consequently, consequently means as a result of everything I have said before, but we're just going to read only this verse and not everything that was said before. It says, consequently, faith, that is belief, the same faith we're talking about. Faith comes by hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So the next question we we'll ask ourselves is, we are required to have faith to access salvation but do we have faith when we are born? If you say yes, the next question we would ask you is, who preached the message to you when you were born? Because the Bible says faith comes by hearing. And even if the message is preached to you when the moment you are born, can you understand it? So we know that to accept or to receive the gift of salvation, things, some things are important. One, you need to be able to understand the message. It has to be taught to you. Let's take a look at Romans chapter 10, verse 14. It says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in, in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? So it is important that somebody teaches you the message. That is why, you know, salvation is not transferred from when you are born. Because it is required that you receive the message by faith and the only way you get faith to receive the message is when you are taught this message that is when faith develops in you that is when you are able can you believe in what you don't understand can i mean we can say we believe in what we don't understand but do you really believe in what you don't understand can you imagine a color you have never seen can you picture a place you have never been how can you claim to believe what you do not understand so one of the requirements for salvation is that we believe the reason why we believe, why we have to believe is because the sin we are guilty of is unbelief. That is why God lays so much emphasis on belief. It's why the Bible says nobody can please God without faith. The number one sin, the core sin we are guilty of is unbelief. So it makes sense that the requirements to get salvation is belief. Does it? I hope it's adding up to somebody. Alright? So... And the Bible is also clear, you cannot believe in what you don't understand. And you cannot understand unless you are taught. So this is why you cannot be born into salvation. It doesn't, it's not logically possible. It's not biblically possible. Okay, so, but again, salvation is transferable by birth, but not the biological birth. It is transferable by the spiritual birth, and the spiritual birth is what we call baptism. Now, I'm not talking about water baptism because the Bible is clear, but I'm not going to spend time discussing um, um, water baptism versus 
and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But let's just read John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus said, very, Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So this born again is the birth that, you know, James, this is James, the person asking the question, must have been referring to, how come I cannot receive salvation by birth? You can receive salvation by birth, but not the biological birth. It is the birth that comes from the operation of baptism. And baptism simply means, let me tell you the significance of water baptism, what it represents. The putting you into the water represents being put into a grave. And that represents the death of Christ is my death. The bringing you out of the water represents being pulled out of the grave. And that means the resurrection of Christ is my resurrection. So what the baptism operation is telling us is that as Jesus Christ died, we died. There are Bible verses to prove this, but I don't want the podcast episode to be longer. As Jesus Christ died, we died. Why did we have to die? Because the wages of sin is death. So I'm not even talking about the physical death and I'm talking about the spiritual death. So as he died, I died. As he rose, I rose. That's what the that's the significance of the water baptism. It's not the putting in the water and the bringing out in itself that makes that, you know, that gives you salvation. It points to something. In the same way the killing of the lamb by the children of Israel in the olden days does not necessarily forgive their sins it points to the killing of the lamb that is jesus christ so god was speaking to us in times and shadows trying to help us see the significance of the operation that he's bringing to reality but most people misconstrue these things as meaning you know when i kill a lamb i have forgiveness of sin or when i have water baptism i am i I am immediately aligned to the plan of god no the plan of god requires that you believe the way to receive salvation is through faith which makes sense because the sin we are most guilty of is the sin of unbelief so with that i hope i have been able to do justice to james question about how come i cannot be born into salvation when my parents have salvation we have answered that all right salvation comes by faith faith comes by hearing you can only and the way you hear is when you are taught you can only believe in what you understand so it is necessary you hear to have faith and it is necessary you have faith to um, have salvation. All right. So I hope that answers the question. And now I'm just going to jump straight into um, what's it called? Into John's. And uh, remember, his hypothetical name is John. Into John's response. You know, John said God made Adam's sin automatically apply to every human being. The problem with that statement is that it is built on the mindset that God is sending mankind to hell. The problem with that response is that it is built on the mindset that it is God's fault that sin applies to the entire humanity. No. No. This is the mindset to have. That mankind was already on his way to hell by virtue of his own wrong decisions. But God stepped in to rescue mankind from hell. That is the good news. That is the gospel. I hope it's making sense to somebody. When we say God made Adam's sin to apply to everybody. It's like we are blaming God. No, that's not what happened. What happened is your representative, you and my representative, made a wrong decision that affects the rest of us today. And that is not the fault of God. He decided to align with Satan. That's not God's fault. But despite the fact that it is not God's fault, he took it upon himself to solve the problem. Because the next thing this person says is, God did not make Jesus Christ's redemption to apply to everybody. But he did. We see in the book of Romans, he said, through one man, sin entered the entire world. And through one man, that is Jesus Christ, 
life entered the entire world. So, when we align to Satan by not believing, we got sin. When you align to Jesus by believing, you get life. So, God did make Jesus Christ's death and redemption apply to everybody. So, the statement that God did not make Jesus Christ's death apply to everybody is wrong. The statement that God made Adam's sin apply to everybody is from the mindset that it is God's fault that this sin applies to everybody. No, it is mankind's fault. It's not God's fault. The perspective to have is that we made a mistake and God intervened to save us from the consequences of the mistake. I'm hoping that this thing serves to, you know, educate somebody, to teach somebody, um, what's it called? Um about the nature of God and honestly I wish this was like a session where people could call in and ask questions because I'm very sure because of um, how this is explained people may have more questions so the final thing I have here is did God owe humanity anything no he didn't he didn't there's a particular Bible verse I regret not writing it um, let's, let's please let's just check Romans Romans chapter 5 verse 12. I'm rounding up in a few minutes. Romans chapter 5 verse 12. It says, uh, okay, that's not what I intended. I already explained this. It said, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. Um, yeah, okay. So, um, I already explained that. So, the particular Bible verse I was thinking about, you can just Google search it. It said, um, God, the reason why, ah, man, I can't quote it verbatim. It said the reason why God saved us is so that he can show the exceeding fullness of his mercy. I'm quoting it very terribly. But the reason why God decided to save man is because of to show us how much he loves us and to show just how merciful he is. Again, the Bible makes it clear that salvation is a gift, not by works, lest any man should boast. It's a gift from God, meaning you did not deserve it. So, when we say things like God's plan is um, it's very cruel, like that response was saying on Twitter, we are saying it from the mindset that God owed us something. How can you say a system that was created, that was privileged to you, who did not deserve it, is a cruel system? A system that saved you from the consequences of your own mistakes is a cruel system. When we say that it comes from a place of misunderstanding the operation of God, and honestly, um, I'd I really wish I had a lot more time to teach on this. Um, most of the times I regret that um, I don't have um, a physical platform where I can speak to people, see their facial reactions, know if they're understanding it or not. You know, this podcast has its limitations, but this will have to do for today. All right. I hope, I hope, I hope that these ha- this um, point I have given has served to answer someone's questions on what exactly the salvation plan is why it was necessary you know why we cannot be born into salvation and all of these things um i'm hoping that you know this has served to help somebody and i wasn't just um blabbing on for the past 15 minutes so this is where we are going to end it for today you can expect that other episodes um would be um business as usual and that is my bible study um, journals um, except I get a lot of feedback saying that people want me to explain this further, which I would happily do. Um, in that case, yeah, I will just make another episode to explain further. But yeah, that's the end of today's episode. Um, stay blessed. Ask the tough questions and as much as possible, try to answer them. If you can't, have discussions with people who 
you know can answer them. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>